My boys were in high school. My wife and I both worked. Life was busy, but we knew we had to get outside to stay happy. Fridays, we could have the camping gear in the car and hit the road to Yosemite by 5.30. But then there was the food. I'm Kip Clifton, and I started Fireside Provisions to help people like me get out of the city and go camp more easily and more often. Just go to firesideprovisions.com before your next camping trip. Choose from a variety of affordable meals created by award-winning chefs. Then select your dates and number of friends. We'll deliver the food straight to your door the day before you leave. Fireside Provisions, delicious meals made for the outdoors. You're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries, a production of Duct Tape Thin Beer, with additional support from Patagonia, Kuat Racks, and REI. I have band-aids covering my nipples, two water bottles with bright red bite valves strapped to my chest, short shorts on, and lubricant on the insides of my thighs and small of my back. As I clip the front buckles on the vest and grab both water bottles like a pair of boobs, I think to myself, wearing this vest is the second dumbest thing I'll do today. 24 days earlier, I sat across the table from my friend Jason in a Denver pizza restaurant and listened to him tell me about how he epicked on a 27-mile run in the heat that morning, having to stop and beg hikers for water after he ran out near the tail end of his training run. Jason was training for his first ultramarathon, the Bear Chase Trail Race. He was limping a little. It sounded horrible. I started to get a small headache just from listening to him describe it. The next morning, I got out of bed and ran 10 miles. I don't know why, just to see if I could. That afternoon, I signed up for my first ultramarathon, the same one Jason was doing. It was a 50K, which is 31 miles in American, but I think it sounds more badass if you go with the higher number, so it's a 50K. In any case, the most I'd run in the past few years was probably closer to 12K. I ran a marathon once, and although it felt pretty recent, I now realized it was nine years ago. I'm not what you'd call a runner. I prefer it to getting fat, but not by a lot. Every once in a while, Jason and Nick would talk me into a Saturday morning trail run, but I went along because I like them, not running. Plus, they went to the good pho place on Federal Boulevard on the way home after the trail run, and I love the Vietnamese coffee there. I had run a few times a week through the summer, but hardly ever had the attention span to go more than five miles. So this ultramarathon would be a pretty big stretch. But I had purchased two copies of Brian Powell's book, Relentless Forward Progress, a guide to running ultramarathons, and given one to Jason and kept one. With no ultra on the horizon, I had only flipped through it, searching for the word walk. There it is, page 106. Has its own section. Walking, your new best friend. I met Brian once at a happy hour thing. Seemed like a good guy. No way, bullshit me. If he says walking is part of ultra running, I can be an ultra runner. I started running more. I got a vest. The Ultimate Direction SJ Ultra Vest 2.0. Room for water and snacks and not much more. I discovered with full water bottles, it tempered my stride down even further as I tried to minimize the bouncing of the bottles. The book said to try to eat 250 to 400 calories per hour when you were running long distances, 
This I could get used to. I bought bags of kettle chips, dates, and electrolyte drinks and stashed them in my van and parked it at Green Mountain just outside Denver. Then I ran seven and a half mile loops, returning to the van to fill my water bottles in my belly after each lap. <clears throat> Snacks! I even started to eat what I normally referred to as space food, the semi-tasty gels and energy globules I thought only triathletes, road cyclists, and other people trying to do shit fast ate. I shortened the name of my Ultimate Direction SJ Ultra Vest 2.0 to The Suffer Vest. I ran 19 miles, walking the uphills, keeping a 13-minute mile pace. Okay, that's close to 31 miles. The next week, I tried to run 22 and a half miles. By the time I started my third lap, it was 80 degrees and there was no shade. My legs hurt, the muscles holding that I've been standing all day fatigue. First my right shin hurt for a mile, then my left arch. Then my right Achilles tendon hurt for a couple miles, then it went away. I assumed this is how it went with these types of things, and that I would know when something hurt enough to be serious. I kept up a 13 minute per mile pace, running all the hills this time. Some people temper the misery of long runs with music. I tried it once a long time ago, training for that marathon, and found it only helped a tiny bit and kind of made me hate all the songs I listened to on my four-hour training run. So I don't run with headphones, which is kind of boring, but I think I prefer a more pure kind of suffering. Plus I have this secret weapon. At my pace, the sound of my short, almost shuffling strides and the water sloshing in the bottles of the Suffer Vest matches the exact rhythm of the first track on the Beastie Boys License to Ill album, Rhyming and Stealing. Specifically the chorus in which they repeat the phrase Alibaba and the 40 Thieves eight times, starting with a whisper and crescendoing into their classic nasally yelling. I own five Beastie Boys albums, and License to Ill is my fifth favorite of them, if I'm honest about it. They're not even close to my favorite golden age hip-hop group, but I love their music despite the fact that they basically freestyled their way through eight studio albums without once making a song that really said anything. But the line from this song popped into my head when I was running one day, and now I can't get it out. I just go with it. Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Why are they even saying that? Why is it the one line of the song they choose to repeat eight times? Why am I running for five hours with two water bottles strapped to my chest? Should I call this thing the shuffler vest instead? Whatever. Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Alibaba and the 40 I finished 22 and a half miles without walking. I didn't break anything. I had some chafing and felt like a group of kids had been hitting me with sticks all morning while I stood in a sauna, but I could still stand up. Maybe I would be able to pee again by the end of the day? When I got home, I texted ultra runner Luke Nelson. Brendan to Luke. Dude, I signed up for a 50K. Could you tell me the difference between ultra running and ultra shuffling? I'm going to ultra shuffle, I think. Luke to Brendan. Actually, the difference is only the mindset. In all reality, the pacing is the same, but if you feel like you are ultra running, generally a more positive, glass half full attitude, then you will be happier during the journey. Ultra shuffling is more commonly associated with suffering, dread, and despair. Glass half empty. Finish time will likely be the same regardless of style. I would recommend ultra running. The morning of the race, Hillary and I walked to the start-finish area with camp chairs, a cooler full of drinks, a bag of food, and sat shivering in not enough warm clothing through the start of Jason's 50-mile race, then waited an hour for the start of the 50K. 
I swore I was going to walk the first two minutes just to prevent getting swept up in the adrenaline and running too fast and wasting all my energy in the first couple miles. But then everyone started jogging, so I started jogging too. It took a few miles for everyone to spread out so I could have some trail to myself. Finally, about mile four, the shuffler vest started bouncing in time with the Beastie Boys, and I settled in. Then I got to the first aid station. I am not a runner, but aid stations may make me an ultra runner. The course was a 12 and a half mile loop and had three aid stations. I stopped to find tables laid out with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, bean burritos, pickles, M&Ms, peanut M&Ms, Skittles, Chips Ahoy, Oreos, vanilla wafers, electrolyte drinks, and nice people handing me all of these things and refilling my water bottles. This was not a race. This was a buffet. And all you had to do was run three or four miles in between snacks. It was perfect. Feel guilty about eating a row of Oreos sitting at home watching Netflix? Don't. Sign up for an ultra marathon and watch the guilt melt away with the miles. I ran the first lap a little fast, then finished the second lap feeling pretty good. I passed a few people on the course and they got ahead of me again when I took long breaks back in our tent. I tried to run everything that wasn't a significant uphill and succeeded. I carefully ate space food every half hour and cookies at every aid station, making sure to fill a water bottle with electrolyte drink and salt each time. I knew it could all change in a matter of seconds and I could go from feeling okay to feeling like garbage at any point if I wasn't careful, especially with the 85 degree heat and all the fluids I was sweating out. At mile 26, I took my first step away from the aid station and felt a sharp pain in the side of my right knee. It hurt to jog. Holy shit, it hurt to walk. I tried a slow lunge forward, then tried pulling my foot up behind my hamstring to stretch it out. No relief. I limped forward, still trying to take steps, hobbling away from the aid station. This was not one of those little aches and pains. This was an injury, wasn't it? 200 feet from the aid station, I halfway turned on the trail. Maybe I should go back. Call it a day. This was real pain, and this is what happens when you do something dumb, like trying to run an ultra marathon more or less off the couch. What happens if I quit here? Do they send somebody to pick me up? Do we call my girlfriend to come and get me? I can't even remember her phone number. I don't want to put people out. The logistics just seem too complicated. I turned back on the trail and kept walking forward. I'll just walk the last five miles. Worst case, that'll take an hour and a half or two hours, as long as the pain doesn't get any worse. After a hundred steps or so, the trail started a small climb. I jogged a few steps. Hmm. IT band? I stopped and dug my fingers into the side of my thigh, pushing hard and rubbing up and down, then the heel of my hand. I took a step. That felt a little better, didn't it? I walked, then started jogging again. The trail turned downhill. I jogged, sharp pain, stopped, walked. Okay, no downhills. I walked the flats and uphills most of the next mile and a half, then jogged the last half mile to the aid station. 3.2 miles from the finish. I massaged my IT band, or, or where I thought it was, as hard as I could. Then I started running the last section. I felt okay. I shuffle ran the last three miles through the forest, figured I'd kick it in and try to actually look like I was running for the last 500 feet or so to the finish line. It was okay. My knee was going to make it. No telling what would happen when I sat down for a few minutes after the race. But for now, it seemed like it wasn't serious. 
Hillary jumped up from her seat about 400 feet from the finish and jogged in next to the trail as I picked up the pace a little bit. No sense sprinting, I figured. I was going to come in under seven hours, and I didn't really care about shaving off a few seconds at the end. Plus, I wasn't too confident that I wouldn't come apart like Herbie the Love Bug if I pushed too hard. Jason finished his third lap, 37.5 miles, in high spirits, and Nick grabbed a pacer bib and one of my water bottles to run the last 12.5 miles with him. We all waited as it got late and the sun went down and the trail got darker and darker. Finally, just after the 13-hour mark, Jason and Nick popped over the last hill running. They had walked most of the final lap, Jason's IT band also revolting, as well as his digestive system. Almost exactly a decade earlier, Jason had finished a marathon despite being what his physician described as a little heavy. And now here he was, 70 pounds lighter, hobbling into the finish line. My race number, 215, was donut-eating Jason's weight in 2005 when he finished that marathon. 31 miles was enough for me, I figured, seeing what kind of shape Jason was in at the finish, considering how much he trained. We got a photo with our finisher medals and drove into Denver to eat victory pizza. I slept 10 hours and woke up the next morning a little stiff, but no permanent injuries. That afternoon, I started Googling 50-mile races. I still wouldn't say I'm a runner, but I might be an ultra-runner. I mean, I don't love running, but I love cookies. And that might be a good enough reason. My name is Brendan Leonard, and this is my short. Support for the shorts comes from Fireside Provisions. Want to get out of town this next weekend? Whether you're car camping, backpacking, or just getting out for a day on the trail, Fireside's provisions can make it easier to get outside. Go to firesideprovisions.com and select from delicious options like one skillet beef stroganoff with mushrooms and egg noodles or campfire pizza. They'll ship the food straight to your door. Enter offer code DIRTBAG at the checkout for 10% off your first order. Additional support for the diaries comes from the good people at Patagonia and from REI. Ian from Kuat Racks, makers of a better bike rack. Check out their lineup of awesome, easy-to-use roof racks and hitch racks at kuatracks.com. As always, you keep the diaries thriving. I'm recording this right now from our new in-office closet, which makes less time biking to and from our home closets to record narration and more time finding you awesome stories. That's complicated. It'll look out a little bit easier thanks to you guys. We couldn't have built it without your support. Thank you so much for everyone who's donated. To pledge your support, visit dirtbagdiaries.com and click on the pledge button in the upper right-hand corner. Thank you, Brendan, for gracing us with your ridiculous adventures and consistently rad sense of humor. Since Brendan wrote this piece, he has also completed a 50-mile ultramarathon. You can find that story and more of Brendan's writing at semirad.com or get yourself a copy of Brendan's latest book, 60 Meters to Anywhere. Music today by Nasai23, Amy Stolzenbach, Publish the Quest, and Jacob Bain. The tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive and the artists themselves. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto performed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode of The Diaries was produced by Jen Altschul and mixed and edited by Jacob Bain. Becca Call is our executive director. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.